Welcome to the Business Collective Podcast with Terry Fletcher. Weekly conversations and insights on how to go from employee to consultant in any business field where your years of expertise can be showcased. Take your career to the next level, entrepreneurship. Now here's your host, nationally recognized healthcare consultant, speaker, and author, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Business Collective Podcast. My name is Terry Fletcher. Happy October. We made it. And I hope everyone's doing well. The weather is starting to change. It's cooling down a little bit. The leaves are changing, which is exciting. And we are into NFL football season, which I love. But also, for those of us in the fourth quarter, we also are looking at our businesses. We are now eight months into the pandemic and trying to stay afloat. I know many of you have direct message me or email me and and just say, you know, I, I just, I'm a little desperate. I'm trying to make this work. And how can I make this work? And also I'm getting on the flip side, some people saying, you know, I actually am doing well and I've got some options for investing. I really need to do that for tax purposes. What can I do? So as we know, let's just put it out there. Most businesses do fail and it's unfortunate, but it's just a sense of reality when it comes to businesses. There is an estimate that 42% of businesses and actually new businesses fail due to a lack of market demand for their product or service. And I've mentioned this in several episodes about pivoting to what's needed right now. But this is going to be an episode on why investing in the right idea can make all the difference. So because of nearly all the small businesses in the United States, which makes this the land of opportunity, of course, they're small businesses. By some measure, businesses with fewer than 100 employees make up 99.7% of the businesses in America, according to Inc. Magazine. These nearly 30 million businesses are everything from mom and pop shops to restaurants, even some small tech companies. Unfortunately, most of them won't make it in the long run with the failure rate by year 10 in the United States being about 70% because we do have our ups and downs on certain things that happen. And again, now we're definitely in the middle of a public health emergency. So we have to figure out what to do. So there are some definite reasons why businesses do fail, as you know. And so we want to look at how to make it in the long run, you know, with the failure rate by year 10, again, being 70%. What are the common reasons that businesses fail? And what steps can we take to safeguard against those reasons. And that can be the difference between staying in business or unfortunately becoming a statistic. And you don't want that to happen. So because of the small businesses, half of employees in the U.S. are small business employees. So when a small business go under, the you know whole country can feel it. We've seen it with some of the destroyed businesses and with what's been happening in the world. I was doing some research on this topic. And in the second quarter of 2014, 205 businesses went under, leaving 717,000 people without jobs. Now, this is not the administration that we have right now in government. It was the previous one. And in the same quarter, though, 220,000 new businesses were opened and 805,000 jobs were created with a net of about 15,000 new businesses and 88,000 new jobs. So you can see sometimes there's a concern for when businesses go under, but sometimes there's some likely pop-ups that can fill the gaps, but this was almost like a an even lateral thing. So you didn't see the, the growth there. But ultimately, when you start a business, your goal is going to be to keep it going for as long as possible, of course. So start by examining the most common causes of business failure be- before forming 
a plan so hopefully you can prevent them from happening in your business. Now, I've mentioned some of these things before, but I wanted to bring it to your attention because as things have changed, as our situations have changed, as we've come into, and I hate the phrase new normal, but that's where we're at, there's things that you have to look at that maybe you didn't look at to start with that are going to change your thinking on what you're going to do, especially if you're a brick and mortar business. So first of all is location. Is your business going to be located in an area with high taxes? I'm in Southern California and we're looking at even higher taxes if we continue with our current government in our state. If Is it an unskilled workforce or is it a high poverty area? Consider moving to a place with a favorable business climate for the company or type of company that you plan to open. Even if you have a possible high poverty area, can you create jobs? Is that your type of business? But is it also something that you're expecting the area that you're in, the geographical location, again, we're talking about location, of an area where somebody's going to purchase your item? So think about one business in particular. Think about Starbucks and what businesses and what I should say neighborhoods they're in for a $4 cup of coffee. It's usually a neighborhood that can afford that. Sometimes they're on the outskirts, but think about that from a neighborhood or location perspective. And what are in those those neighborhoods? And I know this may just sound weird, but you have to think about that when you think about your business because this is your bottom line, this is your livelihood, and and how you're going to generate revenue for yourself. The next one is marketing plan. Does your company have a solid marketing plan in place prior to launching? You'd be surprised how many startups that I consult with that don't have a defined marketing plan in place. Usually they just said, oh, we're going to rely all on social media. But most business owners are not marketers and they are maybe experts in whatever product or service they're selling, but they're not somebody who understands the market and what you need to do to get things out there, what, you know, days of the week are appropriate, things like that. So I would recommend that you consult with a professional marketer, somebody who has a degree in marketing and never rely on interns or family members or anybody like that to do it for you or somebody that you just say, hey, can you do this for me? And, you know, you're paying them less than minimum wage or you're paying them under the table. Without a marketing plan and an understanding and a timeline, you are not going to have success within your business. You have to have that plan. Next is competition. So is there enough room in the sector for your business? And consider getting into a sector with plenty of opportunities and room for growth. And I always bring up healthcare. You know, healthcare is open-ended. There's so many things you can do. You know, when I first started in healthcare, um, I was in nursing. And so I never really thought about the business of medicine. And then when I started to look at things about how to generate revenue for the practices and the physicians I worked for, for the hospitals that I did things for, and I love to educate. So then went in that direction, again, in the healthcare field, but tied to reimbursement. And then being asked because of my skill in educating people, can you look at these records and see what you think way before auditing was even a thing. And now I'm a certified auditor as well. So you pivot and you continue to grow and look where your, your business genre or sector that you're in your competition. And again, where's your growth? Where's the opportunities to keep within your core, to keep growing that area and branching out where your business can be sustainable. And so I always think of healthcare, but there's other genres as well that you can consider that sports. Sports is a big one. You know, what can you do in the, in the sports marketplace? Um, when you're looking at high tech, when you're looking at virtual now, the virtual system, 
looking at um, the pandemic, do you know how many jobs are going to be created by somebody having a pandemic manager, somebody having a public health emergency uh, facilitator, telehealth, somebody having somebody that works on that within the office and that's their focus? There's always something that you can think about within a certain um, sector with plenty of room for opportunities of growth. And then your team. So this is something I've touched on in a couple episodes before, but are you hiring people because they're right for your business or because they're the only warm bodies you can find? And I think you have to really look at that answer. Make sure your employees are part of your company's vision. If you're going with employees, if you're going with subcontractors like I do, make sure they understand that it's project oriented. But many of you may need employees and you have to do a lot of the work yourself before you can actually bring in employees. Because remember, employees have to do with insurance, workers' compensation, liability, and especially in today's climate, and then obviously a salary. And you have to also give vacations. You have to allow for personal time. There's a lot of things that go into having an employees. So make sure that whatever, whoever you hire and make sure your employees are part of your company's vision, but that they also feel that they are part of your vision as well. And then cash flow. Do you have a plan in place to pay your employees if your customers are late or don't pay or don't buy your product this month? You have to have operating funds available for emergencies. You have to. And this year, probably in 2020, taught that to so many practices, so many businesses, and just so many employers more than any other year in history, uh, except obviously in the depression, because you have to have a plan in place. And I think this year really showed people how they were just not prepared. And I know that the government did help with, you know, uh, PPP loans with, um, which were the payroll loans that a lot of them under 50,000 are going to be forgiven. Um, if in healthcare, which with, uh, HHS funding and in, uh, SBA with some small business, uh, opportunities there to get loans as well. But some of them are actually loans and not forgiven monies. But you can't always be government dependent because as soon as you become government dependent, doesn't matter if it's for your business, if it's personally, however, then there's an expectation that they own you and you have to be careful with that. So just know that you need to figure out in your opportunities and what you're doing, how to have a plan in place for cash flow. Should your customers be late or anything like that so that you don't have to panic and be a company that's paycheck to paycheck. And then market demand. Do people actually need what you're, what you're selling them? And do they need what I should say, what you're trying to sell them them? And are they willing to pay for it at the price that you need to be profitable? So I see a lot of, um, I guess startup entrepreneurs trying to break into the market that I'm in, uh, in consulting and in healthcare. And I see them lowballing. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh my gosh, I never should have charged this. This is a, a bit off much more than I can chew. And I only charge them this amount of money and now I'm drowning and I can't even, um, you know, give them what they ask for. Remember when you're dealing with market demand and do your research, do people actually need what you're trying to sell them? Or is it just something that you want them to have? You have to look at need. You have to look at what people be willing to pay for. The market is what markets do, what markets do. And that's why professional athletes get paid so much. If, you know, somebody's going to allow it, they can. But I bet you next year is going to look a lot different with how much revenue has dropped in that market. And so looking at 
what are the most steady opportunities? What are the most steady businesses to invest in? So healthcare and personal services, I, I can't stress that enough. Even if you're not a doctor, getting into the healthcare business space is not only possible, but it's a solid bet. So you have to look at um, things that include medical device manufacturers, medical practice management companies. That's a big one right now so that they can kind of sub out staff and not have to have them so on site or they can, you can you're kind of leasing staff. I know I have an online C-suite uh, and offsite surgical facilities now that there's a lot more f- uh, flexibility in the regulations for hospitals without borders. And this is just to name a few. The restaurant business often gets a bad rap as being one of the riskiest types of ventures because they are, there's so much inventory. But statistically speaking, restaurants actually fail less often than many other types of business. But you have to know where to start. And I would recommend just in the research I've done in that genre or in that sector, as I'm using that term now, is food trucks. Food trucks are providing expansive growth right now in that industry. And it's uh, providing that growth in that industry that they haven't seen in a very long time. Restaurants can often be hard to get funding for since they are viewed as having a high failure rate. But if you can start off in a pretty lean and good location with a food truck, that can be a great way of entering the market. And you can put it all over social media, you're mobile, and there's a lot less risk than say opening the fanciest 200 seat you know, steakhouse in town for the first time, especially during a time when restaurants are now at 25 to 50% capacity. And then, of course, we hear silly things from different, you know, state governors saying, oh, keep your mask on and then take a bite and then put it back on. And that's just silly. So that's just my opinion. I'm not saying anything that's that's technical or medical or anything. I just find it funny when I visualize that. Most uh, restaurants right now are saying you have to wear, wear a mask in. And then when you sit down, then you can take it off to eat and drink. And then you have to put it back on to walk out or to use the facilities. But just know the risk there when I talk about food trucks, and I'm just saying that because, first of all, the location is where you make it. Secondly, your repairs and and you learn to, you kind of learn to work with what you've got. And I noticed a lot of people have, a lot of people have really figured that out within the pandemic, learning to work with what you have and being limited on your luxury items. And then another thing is that some businesses are riskier than others. So what would that be? Well, how about construction? That's always been thought of as one of the most fail-proof businesses because people are always going to build new new buildings. Unfortunately, the statistics don't back up this optimism because as three quarters of construction businesses, they don't make it during the past first year. If you've done your due diligence and looked at that, there are similar mortality rates in the transportation and warehousing sectors. Unless these are areas where you have a ton of experience I would probably avoid those to start your first business. That's something if you want to branch out later. One of the things that I think is going to have a boom is going to be the commercial real estate. Right now, it's terrible because everybody's doing things virtually. And so those buildings isn't, aren't really going to be necessary. But come a year or two later, those buildings are going to be needed because we will be past this. Like everything kind of has a shelf life. And those are going to be something you're going to be able to get dirt cheap and get back into the brick and mortar possibility situation. But the biggest thing is planning is important, but so is flexibility. You can plan everything out perfectly and execute it just as perfectly as you're thinking you're doing. But if you don't heed the subtle shifts in the market, as I talked about before, you just aren't going to make it and your businesses may fail. 
So if you develop a device to help cancer patients going through treatment today and science cures cancer tomorrow, you'd better be prepared to shift on a dime or go out of business and start over from scratch. So you have to be flexible in what you're doing. And that's part of being a small business owner, especially with payroll. And so understand not only the market, but understand that just because you have a perfect plan, you're going to have to understand there's going to be subtle shifts and things that you do. And then are you ready to give it a go? So small business life is rough. It's tough. And it's a lot of hours. But it can also be very rewarding. I was just telling my husband yesterday, just how, how busy I am, how I'm pulling out my hair, how I'm just, I'm pretty overwhelmed. But right now I'm pretty happy. Business is booming. I've got a great software that I use, an app. It's called um, Slack. And it's also um, called Trello. And it helps me keep my projects in order. And it doesn't cost anything, which I love. And it just shows me just how busy and how profitable things can be if you really put your mind to it. So even if you don't think you have what it takes, you might surprise yourself if you lay it all out there and just really try to have a mindset that you may be ready to give it a go. If you think about these things, if you plan for it, you may have what it takes. Just make sure that you go back and think about it. Location, are you where you should be? Do you have a marketing plan by professionals? Who's your competition? And is there enough room for you in the in the sector of your business? Your team, do you actually need employees right now? Do you need subcontractors? Who do you need to help you that you can trust and count on? Cash flow, do you have a plan in place? And then market demand, do people really need what you're trying to sell them or really need what you are trying to offer them as a service? So, and are you willing, and are they willing to pay the price that you want to have them pay to be profitable? So that's it for me, everyone. Hope you have a great rest of your week. And thank you for listening to the Business Collective Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Business Collective Podcast. Drop us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our website and blog at www.business-collective.com. 